what a sacrifice and what a gift that we're able to celebrate. Amen? And so we're grateful. We're grateful. Well, today, as uh, you came in, you should have received a program. Inside your program is a study guide. It looks like this. We're going to unpack it today. We've been talking about uh, places to sit, and today we're going to talk about a seat at the table. And we're going to talk about a, a Bible character that some people might think you sneeze when you say his name, Mephibosheth. And so uh, Mephibosheth, uh, and they say, God bless you. Yes, uh, um, but uh, we're going to talk about it. He's an Old Testament character. He's actually the son of Jonathan, the grandson of the first king of Israel, Saul. And, um, and so as we come to this story, um, he's about five years old, roughly right around there, about five years old. And we're going to unpack this beautiful truth that we find in this story, but this story takes twists and turns that sometimes can shock us, but I think we'll identify with. That's what I really believe we're going to identify with this story today. So if you'll look on your notes right there, the first thing it says, 2 Samuel 4.4, Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth, who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. So just so we're clear, here's this five-year-old. A report comes from the battlefield that his grandfather and his father are dead. They have been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. You see, because in biblical times, when a new king was going to sit on the throne, usually that new king killed every other descendant of the other king, so no other person could ever claim heir to the throne. So they found out they could never claim heir to the throne. So when the child's nurse heard this, she snatches him up. And she runs, and as she's hurrying, she drops him, and both of his legs are broken, and he becomes crippled. And so this is the beginning of the story of Jonathan, uh, of David, Jonathan, Mephibosheth, and Saul, and how their stories intertwine. And so now you have to understand that David... David and Goliath, David was Jonathan's absolute best friend in the whole world. And now Jonathan is the son of King Saul. Now when King Saul dies, who should be king? Jonathan should be king by all rights. However, God had anointed a new king because of Saul's sin. And David was that new king, but it kind of makes a conundrum because now you have your best friend who is Prince Jonathan, and you're going to be taking his job. And you would think Jonathan wouldn't be happy about that, but Jonathan wanted God's will more than anybody else's will for his life. And so he gladly said to David, he said, listen, I know that God has anointed you. I'm not getting in the way of that. All I ask is that you show kindness to me and my family, knowing that in the past, every heir would have been killed, but they loved each other. And basically, Mephibosheth, 
at the time, if you think about it, anybody, an honorary uncle in the room, aunt in the room, anybody call you aunt or uncle, and even though you're not by blood, you're by the blood of Jesus, amen? amen. I have a bunch of those. And so you could think that Jonathan and David being best friends, it's more than likely Mephibosheth recognized David as an uncle. Not only was he an uncle, but he was a hero. He was a hero of all Israel. He had vanquished Goliath, killed Goliath, and he was a chief warrior. And they sang songs about David. They sang, Saul has slayed his thousands, but David has slayed his ten thousands. So you can imagine, not only was he his uncle, but he was also a hero to him. So now you find out that your father is dead, your grandfather's dead, and your uncle's coming to kill you. Your hero is coming to take your life. And in the process, the lady drops you and breaks your legs. And in biblical times, people who were crippled couldn't even be in the presence of the king. It's not like it is today. They, they looked at them as worthless, even though we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, they are absolutely nowhere near worthless. They are highly valued, but in those days, that was the struggle. So all that happens at one time in this young man's life. So you can imagine the struggle, but it gets worse. Because now he is running away to the house of Makir, which actually, the house of Makir is translated, um, actually it's translated the house of slavery. Because he's moving from the palace, and he's been bartered, Makir bartered, over to these place, in a place called Lodabar. Not Eldabarge, Lodabar. Lodabar. And Lodabar literally means place of nothingness, place of no pasture, place of no food. So he leaves the palace, his father is dead, his grandfather's dead, he believes his uncle's trying to kill him even though that's not the case. He has been crippled and now he has basically been bartered to the house of Makir and he lives in a place that means no pasture, no food, a place of nothingness. That's a pretty serious story, isn't it? Now, while here, while there, he's struggling, he's going through all of these situations when he finds himself thinking, this is not going to last that long. It lasts, we don't even know how truly long it lasts. We know it was at least two decades. So imagine he's in this place of nothingness for two decades. He's not healed. His, he's still crippled. He's not helped. And some of us find ourselves in that position today. We find ourselves in a position, in a place where we feel nothingness. We feel worthless. We've been told lies about someone who loves us. We've been trapped and hidden. We feel like we've been bartered to the highest bidder. We feel like we're in a place of nothingness. And so, 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 so you and I can identify with Mephibosheth. It's kind of like you feel really healthy and you go for your checkup. You go into the doctor and the doctor gives you a diagnosis or says there's something there. It's a, it's a life changer, isn't it? It'll shock your world. I feel good. 
right? And then all of a sudden it happens. Or it's like, it's like finding out that your spouse has cheated on you and you thought you had a great relationship and now your relationship has been destroyed. You didn't expect it. It came out of nowhere and you seem like the happiest couple on earth. And then it happens. And it'll shake your world, won't it? You're having a great day and then all of a sudden you find out that one of your loved ones has passed away. It'll crush your soul. It happened to me. We're out at a family gathering having pizza in a family gathering and a phone call comes that my brother's dead. At 46, you don't think. You just don't expect it. Your world changes instantly. Now we got to figure out how we're going to get there. How are we going to help take care of the kids? Everything changes in a moment, doesn't it? And this is what's happening to Mephibosheth. Only all of those things are happening to Mephibosheth at the exact same time. And then nothing happens. And finally, there was a promise that David had made that Mephibosheth didn't know about. Now let me tell you something. There's a promise for you that maybe you didn't know about, but you came in here this morning and I'm going to share a promise that has been made for you that you didn't know about. Mephibosheth didn't know this promise. And so here's the promise. Look at this. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Now if he had meant to kill them all, he wouldn't ask that because he would expect they're all dead, right? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king uh, asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is there anyone still alive in Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. Well, where is he? The king asked in Lodabar. You know what the king heard when he said Lodabar? Nothingness. A place of no food. A place of no pasture. So the king is hearing this and Ziba told him at the, house, uh, at the home of Machir, son of Emil. Which basically at the, at the home of the bartered. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's house, hiding in Lodabar to the house of Machir. He brought him out. So David calls him. Now I want you to put, picture your mind for a minute because first off, Ziba tells him that yes, this, there is one left, but he's crippled, which basically means a cripple can't be in, in the presence of the king. So you really don't want this kid. But, but David's like, yes, I do. Bring him here. And trust me, David knows who he is. David was his uncle. You know, David is his family. And so here's this situation where David's like, hey, I made a promise. I made a covenant, and I want to fulfill that covenant. I want to show God's kindness to this young person. Now, imagine this person who's been in the witness protection program before it was the witness protection program, right? Imagine he hears David's looking for you. Now, all of his life, all of his life, he thinks David's been out for him. He thinks it's David's fault that his granddad and his father are dead because God anointed David king, right? 
He thinks that it's David's fault that his, he's crippled because when the news came, David was supposedly coming to crush him and the lady dropped him. And if it wasn't for him believe, them believing David was coming, he wouldn't be in the condition that he's in. And then he finds out all the king, the king always killed every other descendant. So he thinks he's finally coming to finish the job. They finally found me. All of those things, all of those things he's experiencing at the exact same time. But there's one other thing. There's one other thing I want to share with you today. Because you see, you and I have had those experiences. God's out to get you. God's a punishing God. You're going to go to hell. And that's what we've heard. We've never heard of the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the promise of God, the grace of God. God doesn't want to talk to you. You're crippled. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. Maybe you're used goods. You're a mistake. You're not even supposed to be here. All these things you've been told that none of them are true. But you believe them your whole life. So you find the courage to come to church, right? Some people come in just saying, man, I, I don't even care. If, if the door, if, if I get zapped on the way in, man, just zap me. I'm done fighting. I'm tired. I'm tired. I just came to show up. God, you've been after me. Get me. Just finish me off. And the truth is God wants you, but not to finish you off, not for death, but he wants to give you life. And you finally come walking through the doors and God has every intention of keeping you. Amen. But there's something else that I want to share with you. Because Mephibosheth is not his real name. Mm -mm. His father gave him a different name. Jonathan gave him the name Maribal or Mary Baal, which literally means opposer of Baal. Which literally means warrior against Baal, who is a false god. That is a name of honor. That is a name of courage. And his father called him Maribal. But when this tragedy befell him and when they moved him, they gave him a new name, which is not his name at all, which is Mephibosheth, which means son of shame. So here you go, you lose your father, you lose your grandfather, your uncle's trying to kill you, you've been crippled, you're in a place where there's nothing, and then they give you a new name that doesn't mean defender of the faith, instead it means son of shame. What name have you given yourself or has someone else given you that's not your real name? God made you in His image. You're in the Imago Dei. The image of God. There's only one of you. But someone has told you you're shameful. Someone has told you that you're not worth anything. Someone has convinced you of something else. And today, it's time you find out your real name. And the story takes this incredible turn. And as Mephibosheth starts making his way, you, can know, you know he's thinking in his mind, man, I'm done. 
I'm just, I, he's probably relieved. He's probably just like, you know what? Because really, you've you got to come to Jesus when it's done, man. When you're, you're at rock bottom, that's, when you, that's the best time to come to Jesus. You've got no other options. You just say, you know what? Just do with me whatever you want. That's literally what I said to God when I, when I bowed my knee to God. I said, listen, I've wrecked this life. Nobody else wants it. I don't even want it. But if you can do something with it, then it's yours. It's yours. And so here comes Mephibosheth, and he's walking in. And, and as he starts to walk in, these are the first words he hears from David. Don't be afraid. And let me be the one to tell you this morning, don't be afraid. You're in the house of the king, and you're welcome in his house. As a matter of fact, you can be a son or daughter. He's in the adoption business. And check this out. He says, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father. You know why God intends to show a, 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 a kindness to you today? Because of a promise made, because of communion. We took it earlier. He gave his life for you and for me. A promise made of a new covenant. And God intends to show you kindness this very day. He says, Jonathan, he says, your father, Jonathan, he says, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you'll eat here with me at the king's table. Not only does he get his life, but then he gets the, the property of a king. All the, not just Jonathan's, but all of Saul's property, all of it. And not only that, you get a seat at the king's table. Cripples aren't even supposed to be able to come into the king's table because the king's never supposed to be sad. But now you have a seat at his table. He was not expecting that. And you can tell by his response. He says this because there's some people in the room today, maybe you feel like this. Who is your servant that you would show such kindness to a dead dog like me? He's been told, you're not the Prince Maribel anymore. You're the son of shame. You're a dead dog. And he says, oh, why, why would you show anything to me? Me? You know who I am? All these years of hiding have made Mephibosheth think of himself as worthless. Where have you been hiding that? You're not worthless. You're important to God. You're so important. He sent His Son to save you. Isn't that good news today? Isn't that exciting news today? And you can imagine Mephibosheth's face. He's probably going, What? I see you at your table? No way. You're still my uncle? You never meant to hurt me? You, you were never going to hurt. You would have taken care of me from the beginning. You have always had a good heart toward me, always. But they told me that you were not good. They told me that you were bad. They told me that you were going to punish me. They told me you sought to kill me. But you mean to tell me that I can sit in your house? You're still my uncle? You're still my hero? unbelievable so many times we see ourselves being pushed into a spiritual place like Lodabar a place of nothingness 
a place, a place where there's no food and no pasture. We find ourselves bartered to the highest bidder. We think these people love us, but they only take advantage of us. We think the dealer loves us, but the dealer only loves us because we buy what he's dealing. We buy what she's dealing. We buy the wrong story. And Mephibosheth, his story had an, a different outcome. As a matter of fact, Ziba gets blessed in the process because Ziba and all 35 members of his family now get a new job of being under the care of Mephibosheth who is now under the care of the king. Amazing. And the truth is, we love that story. Many of you maybe have never heard it, but we love a good redemption story, don't we? We love a story where someone gets, they think they're going to get something and they get something they didn't expect and it was better than they ever dreamed. We, that's why we love those comp competition shows. When we see that, that, that single mom who's been that waitress all that time and all of a sudden she gets on a song and then that next thing you know she wins a big contract and we're like, yay, she won! Right? Or, or that move that bus. You know, the new house where people ain't got nothing. Right? Their bathroom don't work. Then they move the bus. They got two bathrooms and both the toilets flush. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Right? We love those stories. Why? Because in us, God has placed something in us. God has put something in us. He's put something in our hearts where we love that redemption story and we long to be a part of somebody's redemption story. And I'm here to tell you today, you can be a part of someone's redemption story. Just don't be like the nursemaid who carried him away and crippled him instead of carrying him to the king. We love because mercy's shown. Redemption. And the truth of the story is, you know why we really love those stories? Because we are Mephibosheth. That's why we love those stories. We recognize. The first thing I want you to see today is we're fallen and we're broken. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. We're fallen and we're broken and somehow sin has crippled us. But the story doesn't stop there. Because the second thing I want you to see is that we're all pursued by the king. You can try and run, you can try and hide, but this is what King David said about God. He said, he said, you have searched me and you know me. You're familiar with all my ways. You've laid your hands upon me. Such knowledge I can't attain. Where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I make my bed in the depths or if I go up to the heavens, you are there. We're pursued by the king. David asked, who can I show kindness to? And look at what John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. But to save the world through Him. That's what God planned. 
See, people say God came, Jesus came and it's going to condemn you. No, he didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. The same way Mephibosheth thought David was coming and he was taught he was going to kill him, but God meant good for him. He had no condemnation on him. And the good news is, is that the king pursued. David could have said, ah, well, you know what? Jonathan's dead. We don't really think there's anybody else. I know I made a promise, but whatever. But that wasn't the case. The same way Jesus left the splendor of heaven to come here because of you. Because of me. And he pursues us. And he pursues us. You're here by divine invitation today. God has been pursuing you. That's why you're here today. You're not here by mistake. I hope you don't think you're here by mistake. I hope you don't even think you're here by your own choice. You chose to be here because God put it in your heart, and then you had to make the only choice you had to decide is are you going to walk through the doors or not. You didn't have to do that, but you chose to accept God. Some people say, man, I couldn't obey God if he begged me to do something. Well, you already have. You've done the first thing. You showed up here today. He invited you. You came. So that's one out of the way. The other thing I want you to see is that the king, the king's table, it covers our sins. The blood of Jesus covers our sin. You see, just like a cripple couldn't be in the presence of the king, sin, God cannot be where sin is. So the only way for us to boldly approach the throne is to be covered by the blood of Jesus. And then God does not see our righteousness. He sees the righteousness of Christ in us. We become the righteousness of God. Isn't that good news today? It's amazing news today. And we're covered over and we get a seat at the table. Look at what those scriptures says. It says, and I confer, on, this is Jesus, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And look at 2 Samuel, same thing. And Mephibosheth, I love how they make sure you don't forget because God wants you to know something today. Who was crippled in both feet, comma, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. When you sit there and you think about that, Jesus offers you a seat at the table. Isn't that amazing? You see, you may think that you're broken and useless, but God says you're chosen and invited. That's the last thing I want you to write down. But God says... You're chosen and invited. You see, you may have come in here today and someone may have told, may have told you you're broken and you're useless and you're worthless, but God says today you're chosen and you're invited and you have just as much right in this place as anybody else. And any, any church worth its salt will make sure that we roll the red carpet out for you. We want to set a place for you at the table, not move a place and try and squeeze you out. 
We're called to make sure that Mephibosheth find a seat at the table because we're all Mephibosheth in the first place. We've got an obligation, a job, a responsibility. We have to make sure that people know that. And what I love, what I love, is that he ate regularly at the king's table. But listen, did you hear the story? Did you hear the story? I told you that all of Saul's lands were given to him. Everything Saul owned. David could have just swept him away and said, hey, I fulfilled my promise. You stay over there. You, I gave you servants. I gave you everything you knew. You get to live this cushy life. But David said, no, no, no. You sit at my table. And that's what Jesus says to you. Jesus says, no, you get to sit at the table. No, you don't just get saved and then we push you off to the side and just remove you and we hide you somewhere because we're ashamed of who you are. No, you sit at my table as one of my very own sons. As one of my very own daughters. And when people see you coming in to the, to, to the, the, the palace, and people say, oh, oh, wait, oh, a crippled guy's going in. Oh, no. Oh. And they go, oh, no, that's Mephibosheth. He's one, of the, he's one of the king's kids. He's got a seat at the table. So those people who say, oh, what, what are you doing going to church? Trying to say you changed yourself. <laughs> right? So I got to see at the king's table. I'm going to church because I got to see. I got a family. I've been adopted. I got a seat at the table. Yeah, but you do this. You do that. That's what I did. It's not who I am. Amen. See, I'm a child of the king. Yeah, but you, you were crippled by this. So you were Yeah, but I'm not anymore because you see, I got a seat at the table and my sins have been covered over. But yeah, now you got your life right. You don't need, oh, no, no, no. I ain't ever leaving the king's table. You don't want to eat with me? Fine. Get out. You know how people don't want to eat with you and act like it hurts your feet? No, I'm moving my lunch tray. <laughs> me and Jesus will be over here if y'all need us. But if I can't get a seat at your table, I got a seat at his table, and I don't care. Some, oh, don't eat with him. Don't, you, you don't eat with me. You ain't eating with Jesus. That's all I got to say. We just have to have the right attitude in church. We can't. Everybody who comes in should eat. We should eat together. There ain't no special. There ain't no special. Well, you know what? You've only been here a week, so we're not going. We're not going to be able to bless you. Stick around a month. We might treat you nice. We might even talk to you. Our job, when you see a new person, should be to introduce yourself and bless them and welcome them and make them feel at home. If they come and our backs are turned and we're just talking to ourselves, what are we doing? We're shutting them out. We're pulling that old junior high lunch trick. Right? No, our job is to create a table everybody wants to be at. And that's Jesus' table. And that's our opportunity today, guys. And that's what I want to bless you with and encourage you with today. You see, we were fallen and broken. We are pursued by the king. The king's table covers our sins. And you thought you were broken and useless, but today you're chosen and invited. Now I have the biggest question of your life. Are you ready for the biggest question? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. The biggest question of your life, will you choose him? See, God chose you already. 
You're already chosen. Zeba went to find Mephibosheth. This was already planned. This was already planned. So today you get to choose. Mephibosheth could say, no, I'm a dead dog. I'm just going to go back to Lodabar. Or I can choose to believe you and walk in it even though it's unbelievable. Right? You know he's thinking they're going to walk out and hit me with an arrow. Right? They're going to cut my head off as soon as I turn around. I can't run. Right? But he said, no, I'm going I'm to believe what the king says. And I'm going to sit at his table. And I'm going to choose my uncle David. I'm going to choose God's kindness and you get to choose God's kindness today. You, nobody, I can't make you. I wish I could. I really do. But I can't. But you get to choose because of a promise that you didn't know about that's yours. I just want you to know the God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for your sins. And I just want you to know he's a good God. And he has good for you. And he wants to bless you. And he wants to prosper you. And he wants to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. So whatever you heard about him, if you didn't hear it from his word, if, it ain't, if it's been about punishment and pain and all those things and he's not interested in talking to you, None of that's true. Oh, but I cursed him before I took his name in vain. Nope. All of it's covered under the blood. You get to choose. I just hope you choose a seat at the table. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We just want to say we love you, Jesus. And God, this story of Mephibosheth just touches our soul. It just moves us in ways that, 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 God, you meant for it to move us. Thank you for Mephibosheth, because Mephibosheth lets us know that there's hope for us. Thank you that even though we're fallen and broken, we don't have to stay that way. Thank you that we're pursued by you, and right now, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to us. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood covers over our sins, and thank you that we're chosen and invited. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I now know I'm chosen by God and I right now choose Jesus. I choose a seat at the king's table. If that's you, raise your hand high in the air like you're unashamed. Yes, yes, unashamed. Yes, I choose. Yes, yes, I choose. Yes, yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, you may place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we're just going to pray this simple prayer from your heart to God's. It's simple. Prayer is literally just talking to God. We're just going to say, Jesus, I believe in you. And Jesus, I receive you. Jesus, I choose you. I choose forgiveness. I choose hope. I choose help. I choose to believe what the Bible says about you, not what others have said. And I choose to trust in you with my whole life. I give you everything I am and everything I'm not. And I already know that I'm not going to be perfect but I am forgiven and I am being perfected. And I promise you that I will come back and sit at your table as often as you invite me, which is every single second of every single day. And I will not run from you, but instead I will run to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray these prayers. And the church of Jesus Christ said,
Amen. Give the Lord your best hand on a Sunday.